How's everybody doing? Is it just good? All right. Titus is good, if anybody's wondering. It's great to have you here. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to uh, Genesis chapter 2. We're going to continue the series we started last week, we're calling it Wired. We're talking about God's design for all of us. And uh, we're going to spend our next four weeks talking about God's design for men and for women. It's a uh, an important subject, especially in the times that we live in. Uh, the lines are being blurred more than more and more, uh, and we're losing, I think, in our culture, God's intent and design uh, for how we're supposed to live. So we're going to talk about that. We've got some good news as a family. Uh, our daughter Kai uh, was voted prom queen last night at her prom, which is a great deal. It was a close vote, and uh, it, it probably bears noting that my wife, my my daughter Kai is homeschooled. So. Uh, that's a joke. She's not homeschooled. But see, it'd be funny if she's the only daughter at our house and she's homeschooled and she's a prom queen because, you know. She actually goes to Durant High School. And, a, and another uh, student from our church, uh, Jerry and Kim Greaves' son, Nate Greaves, was the prom king. So that was pretty cool. And uh, so we swept award season at Durant. That was great. And uh, uh, pretty proud. I don't know. Uh, Anything beyond that. Her mom was a prom queen, so we have a we have a little role going here. We'll see what happens in the next generation. Y'all can pray. All right. Um, <laughs> let me pray before I get going, and I will ask God to lead us in this time. Lord, thanks so much for a chance to open your word. The things we're going to talk about this morning, God, uh, I know are, uh, for many of us, going to be uh, on some level uh, difficult to hear. We're going to find out uh, a little bit about how we might need to uh, change some ways, especially us men, change some ways that we think about life, think about uh, what success is. Uh, we're going to uh, probably be opening up some wounds because uh, lots of people in here, men and women, uh, have, have uh, lived with men who haven't lived according to your design, and they're paying the price for it in some way. Uh, so, Lord, here's my prayer for our time together, that as we open your word, as we uh, listen to its wisdom, that we would be able to separate ourselves from all that previous stuff, uh, that we would be able to listen clearly and with open hearts to the things that you want to teach us and show us, that you'd, you'd take us from here, especially the men, and you'd lead us into the challenges uh, that are going to face us as we seek to change, to be in line with your design for us. I pray for the women here to be a part of that in the, in the lives of the men in their life. Uh, in an encouraging and expecting way. I pray, God, that, that, that you'd get me out of the way and that you would speak by your Holy Spirit uh, through this, this, this voice of mine uh, and that you would penetrate our hearts and lead us, God, to your best. That's our hope as we seek your design, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We started last week talking about God's design from Genesis chapter 1. If you're a theist and a Christian theist, uh, you understand that the Bible gives us basically the blueprint for how God made everything. He made time, he made space, and everything that is out there in the cosmos. Uh, he made everything that is made up of matter. Uh, and then he made us. And he made us uniquely. We are, unlike the rest of the animals and unlike, unlike anything else in creation, we are the, the ultimate in God's creation. We are image bearers. The Imago Dei is the Latin. Image bearers of God, made in the image of God. Men and women, uh, women, men and women both, uh, given dominion over the earth. We were called and created to subdue the earth. And so we have these unique roles that God wants us to, to live out in that uh, mission that he's given us. And when we do, this is what we talked about last week, when you live 
according to anything's design. When you do something or, or, or use something as it was designed to be used, you have the best chance of success in the use of that thing. If you take something outside of its design, it's probably not going to work, and things could go terribly wrong. That's why on every bottle of every medicine that you ever get, you have directions. Use as directed. If you go outside of the use of this thing, bad things can happen. And it's the same thing with you and me. God created us in his image so that we could be the executors, uh, the executors of his will, his design here on earth as his image bears. And when we do those things, life flourishes, and when we don't, it fails. I've been borrowing uh, greatly from a a series that a guy named Matt Chandler did in Texas, and uh, we're going to continue today talking to us, uh, especially uh, us men. Fact, here we go. We're going to talk about some man wiring. As soon as this slide changes, there it is, man wiring. And, and the fact that I want us to kind of center the next two weeks on is this. When men live within God's design, life works. Now, first uh, caveat or disclaimer. Ladies, when I'm talking to the men for the couple, next couple of weeks, I'm not saying anything about you because I'm not mentioning you with them. Is everybody following me that? When I say that when men live within their design, life works, I'm not saying that women aren't important to life working. Is everybody with me? So let's all just, you know, not get offended by the fact that I'm not saying things. Let's assume the best in the things that I'm not mentioning about women. I'm just focusing in on the fellows, all right? Everybody with me on that? Uh, Let me say also that I recognize, as I prayed my prayer a little bit, uh, that lots of us, men and women in here, have grown up uh, with people who have chosen to go against this. Uh, Men who have not lived according to God's design, and therefore our life hasn't worked. Ladies, you might be, uh, you know, uh, hurt from either a father figure that failed you or previous marriage relationship that didn't work out, a previous dating relationship that was abusive. And so you bring those stigmas, that baggage into your understanding of men, and you have no hope, no expectation, no belief that there could ever be a good man. I'm here to tell you that that's not the case. By God's grace, men cannot be or may not be pigs. (laughs) Um, And so our mission here as a church is to help men understand their role and, and for you to find, you know, a guy that... Uh, can reinstill your faith in God and in men. Uh, secondly, fellas, a little another disclaimer for you. You may have grown up without a father figure or a poor one, okay? Uh, you, you may have uh, had lots of failures in, in your past, and, and you're coming to this message, and you're, you're going to be reminded of all those things in the past. But here's what I want to remind you uh, as, as we start out today, uh, that, that my mission as your pastor is to help you deal with your past so that you can live in the present and in your future the design that God has for you to live. What I mean by that is, is that we have to get past the excuses of things that weren't right in our past so that we can live in what is right in our present and in our future. Is everybody with me on that? So I don't want a lot of people sitting in here saying, okay, yeah, that's good. It it, it could work for everybody else except for me. Because my past dictates A, B, and C, and I'm always going to be A, B, and C because that's all I know. All right, I believe fully in the power of God to change anybody who is willing to be changed. By the grace of God, we can move past our past, and we can move into our future and become who he desires us to be. Now, ladies, here's, here's, I'm going to say one more thing to you. As I preach the next couple of weeks, some of you are going to be tempted to take really good notes and then re-preach this message at every meal that you share with your husband or your kids, you know, for the next week or two, okay? I am arming you, I am loading your rifle, and you're going to get up and you're going to snipe all week long. Remember what Mark said, remember what Mark said, all right? 
This is not why I'm preaching. I'm not preaching to arm you. I am preaching to, <laughs> I'm preaching so that you might be understanding of uh, what God's plan for man is and that you might be an encourager of your men in those things. Fellas, anybody testify out there? If, uh, if, you're wanting to, uh, if your wife's wanting to bring about a change in your life, is it good for her to sound like Charlie Brown's teacher? Wah, 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 and just keep yapping and yipping at you all the time. Is that going to bring about the change? No. In fact, I'll tell you this, ladies. Your men are carnal beings. They suffer from sin nature. And in their sin nature, we are just wired. In fact, one of the things that God uh, insists of wives in, in marital relationships is that wives respect their husbands. Isn't that interesting? doesn't say love them. Doesn't say, just says respect your husbands. And then some of you are like, good, I don't. Um, <laughs> but the major command for the woman is to respect her husband. Why? Because if you disrespect your husband, you are going to create a worse animal than you've already got. That's just how it works. I mean, guys won't even care if you're right. If you come at them the wrong way, they're going to go the opposite way with what you're saying if you're coming at them in a way that is defensive and disrespectful. Are you with me, ladies? So I'm going to talk in a second about how you can still get your message across without being disrespectful. But here's what I'm talking about for you ladies the next couple of weeks. Learn these things and then learn to catch your husbands doing these things right. Esteem your men. Don't bludgeon them. They aren't your children. Your husbands aren't your kids. Don't shame them. All right? Esteem them. Eleanor does a great job at this. She's really good at setting me straight in other times. But I so appreciate that she balances it out with kind and loving and encouraging words. She'll stop me sometimes. We'll be walking. We'll be down at the house. We're building a house. Many of you have asked me about it. it it's getting finished. To the glory of God, it'll be done soon. Amen. <clears throat> but as we're walking back from the house, having either worked down there or gone and checked on what the fellows had done that day, uh, I'll be leaving. And here's what will be racing through my head. Bills, right? This is getting to be a real pain in my keister. Uh, these are the negative things I'm feeling. And Eleanor will stop me and she'll grab my hand. And she'll say, Mark, thank you so much. Thank you so much for going to work every day so that we can afford to live in a place like this. And all those kind and loving things. And then she'll say this to me. She'll say, I would not want to be doing this with anybody else on the planet. Thank you. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? And you know what that makes me do? That makes me forget about the fact that she tore another bumper off of one of our cars this week. That makes me <laughs> forget all about that. Which actually happened. <laughs> so, this isn't your chance for a beatdown, ladies. This is your chance for a build-up. This is your chance to be an esteemer of the things. In your husbands, in your sons, all right? In the men in your life. Catch them doing this stuff right and esteem them with it. Now, just so you're not thinking I'm telling you to go completely soft. I don't want you to be an enabler of a man who's not living according to God's design either, all right? So we've got to take that seriously too, ladies. Especially you single ladies. All the single ladies. If you are someone who prays in your future that you will have a man in your life. Now, if you don't pray that, that's totally fine. If God has given you the gift of singleness, praise God. Glory to God. Live single. You have extra time to serve him. Use it for that. All right? Uh, but if you are of, of, of the 90% of our culture that typically ends up meshed with another person, all right, another, a, a male with a female, then here's your deal. Okay, when it comes to finding Mr. Right, have an appropriate bar set. Now, I'm not saying to set your bar up near the deity of Christ, okay? <laughs> Just so you know, 
Would the, would, would the perfect man please stand up? Are you out there? Nobody's standing up today. We are all below that bar. We are all aspiring to Christ-likeness, but we are all below Christ. So don't have as your bar this expectation that you're going to marry a member of the Trinity because they're not on match.com. Are you with me on that? Okay. Now, lower the bar. But don't. This is the problem in our society, especially Christian society. Don't lower the bar so far that you're just taking whoever comes across your path. All right? Especially you young ladies. All right? I'm looking at some of my my kids' uh, friends and peers. Make sure that you understand that God has a design for your life. Live in it. Ladies, we'll get you in a couple weeks, okay? But you understand that God wants you matched with a person, a man, who is understanding of God's design for their life and aspiring to it. Not perfectly, but they understand that that matters and they're moving in that direction. Are you with me? I talked to so many ladies who have gotten, you know, gone over the threshold of marriage, made covenant vows to men, come back five, six years later, found out that he really wasn't going to change and start complaining about the fact that I'm with this bum who doesn't care what God wants and how he's designed things and is mistreating her, uh, you know, because of that. And I am certainly concerned, absolutely empathetic or sympathetic, whatever the right word is there, that, that she's in the situation that she is in. But, but I want to say, <laughs> why was the bar so low? Well, the heart wants what the heart wants. The heart is stupid. It is. You don't think with your heart. You think with your head. And I get up here and I talk about things so that your head will be lined up right so that when you make the decisions of your life, your life will be lined up right. So that, fellas, that goes for you too. When you you go for a woman, find a woman who's seeking God's design. Ladies, when you go for a man, expect, expect from them to live according to God's design. Give, Give patience, be encouraging, Don't browbeat them. But man, expect those things. When you expect things of men, ladies, you have this incredible power to see things change in your husband's life. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't. Well, uh, I would would say that you do. I know from my own personal relationship with with, uh, my wife, Eleanor. I met her in college. I was just barely a Christian. I mean, just barely sneaking in there. Just not really Christian at all. And I met Eleanor, who was vibrant in in her Christian faith. And be, I mean, we had lots of conversations to this effect, but it became very clear. If I was going to hang around, I got to start kicking it into gear with Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you fellas to love Jesus so you can get her. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that if Jesus uses a woman in your life to inspire you to start following him, then that's a good woman. I talked to Jason just a little while ago, and that's, that's what he was telling me. All right, it's great. Yay, God, for that. And ladies, listen, you have that power in a man's life. To speak honestly to him, to speak openly to him, and to, and to encourage him to sway in a direction that's going to honor him. There's a guy, TJ, sitting in the front row. He's a Christian today because his wife held that standard up for him, and eventually he figured it out. Right? Right? Okay, so these are the things that you have, ladies. God could use you. And you, if you want to be used by God, you've got to raise that bar. Expect some stuff. Some of you are already looking at each other. Have a good ride home. All right, here we go. (laughs) This is the question we want to answer for the next couple weeks. That's the part I was just talking about. Keep going. When men live with the... the, uh, Yeah, there we go. What what is God's design for all men? This is is what we're talking about. We're talking about God's design, how we're wired. What's his design for all men? I'm going to put it in terms like this. 
My friend Matt Chandler in Texas who uh, preached these messages, he talked about it in this way too. He says, God, or God designed man or man is designed for, say it with me, headship. Now, it's not a word we throw around a bunch. Uh, but I agree with Matt when he says, I didn't want to use the word leadership because that can lead to the idea that women don't lead. And I know for a fact that that is not the, not the case. Women lead all the time. Women are fantastic leaders. All right? And, and if you have the gift of leadership, women, uh, you need to figure out where God wants you to use that and exercise that gift. Men and women can both be gifted as leaders. I don't want to say men are leaders and give the impression that women aren't. Is everybody with me on that? So, so okay, so men and women both lead in the, in the environments that God wants them to lead in. So how are we different? What makes one masculine and one feminine? What makes one male and female? One, it goes beyond the plumbing. It goes beyond how much you can bench, all right? It goes into areas. How did God design us to, to work? And, and what it tells us in Scripture is that God designed man for headship. Now, I haven't said this in the other three services, but I would say to this, that Eleanor and I function in our marriage as equals, totally equals. Like when it comes to making decisions, I don't, I don't decide for us. So if she says decide where we're going to the restaurant, oh, that's easy. We're going to the diner. That's where we go. New York diner, it's really good breakfast. Anyway, uh, but, but if, if, if we're trying to figure something out, where are we going to live? Uh, should, I, should I take a different job? Which, for the last 10 years, God's grace, we've been hanging out here. What's up? Uh, but should we do different things, right? We talk about those things, and God speaks to us together through our prayers. We come to those conclusions, and we head together, unified front, boom. Now, in, this, in the rare instances where either God's uh, direction is unclear, or we even disagree, which has been rare, then my wife, in, in her godly uh, scriptural understanding of things, turns to me and says, okay, head, you're up. You're the tiebreaker. Where we either, dis- and she doesn't say it's snotty like that. I just said it that way. But, but she, listen, she just understands. This is, this is what God has done in our family. This is what God has done in creation. That there is, it, it doesn't make men better or worse or women better or worse, but there is this order of things where God says men are in this headship role. Now, Let's talk about some abuses of that. Uh, let's read a verse and actually talk about how men have, have kind of used this wrongly. Uh, in, in chapter 11, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians, Paul, writing to his friends there in Corinth, says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Now, to be honest, just, let's be upfront and clear. This is speaking of the marital relationship right off the bat. So some people have used this to talk about men and women in general, and I think that's a, a misuse or a misunderstanding of this text. But let's just go with it, and let's just understand that throughout the history of the church, 2,000 years, okay, men have used verses like this to say, I'm up here, you're down here, I'm the head, I'm the boss, you're not, and so I'm going to domineer. They take headship. It's the Greek word head, the word head there is the Greek word kephale. Everybody say kephale. It's, it's actually C-E-P-H-A-L, cephal. It's where we get like the words encephalitis, all right? So it just means head, okay? And when we see head, uh, a lot of times throughout our history, men have translated this, say, like, okay, Jesus is my boss, I'm my wife's boss, and God the Father is Jesus' boss. They go ruler on the thing. Are you with me on it? All right. If that's your sole understanding of the Greek word kephale, you're going to be an abuser of man's design. You're going to push women down. You're going to be uh, misogynistic. You're going to be, uh, you know, a chauvinist. Or at least you have that potential. Now, other, other definitions of the Greek word kephale are this, source, like the head of a river. That's how it's used in other parts of the scripture. So if we put source in there, it kind of changes our thinking. It's not just I'm the boss, I'm the source. Like, like it says that uh, the source of every man is Christ. 
All right, let's just talk biblically. Did, did Jesus create all that is? Somebody like, I thought that was God the Father. No, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit exist eternally together, triune nature of God. And so when God created the heavens and the earth, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. When God said, let us make man in our image, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit agreed that we would make man and woman in our image. So Jesus is the source of man. Everybody agree with me on that? Is man the source of woman? It says the, the head or the source of a wife is her husband. Uh, what was man made out of? Anybody remember? Dirt. Adam actually means dirt. So if, if you don't hear anything else, ladies, men are dirt. And everybody said amen? Okay. So man was made from dirt. God breathed into dirt, and there was Adam. What was woman made from? In the biblical understanding of creation, woman came from the rib of Adam. You, that's what woman means, from man, essentially. All right? And so from man came woman. So could we say that the source of woman is man? Yeah. Can we say that the source, the head of Christ is God? Now this gets a little more theologically tricky because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have all co-eternally existed. They've all always been, all always will be, all exist in co-equal existence. But here's what Jesus did when he came to earth. Anybody remember what he did? He emptied himself. He became nothing. That's what it tells us in Philippians chapter 2. And so he came to earth and he says, I do whatever the Father tells me. The Father is my source, right? And so Jesus prays in the garden to his Father the night before he dies. He says, hey, if we can pass this cup over me, if we can, if we can do this some other way, Father, it'd be fine. But not my will be done, but yours. Yours be done, right? So in that instance, is God the source, God the Father, the source of God the Son? Yeah. Okay, so it could be source. Everybody with me on that? Here's, here's another understanding of, of kephale, though, that I think is, is the most accurate in our understanding of male-female relationships. Is that, is that uh, go back for me, bro. You're, you're anticipating. The idea that I want you to carry with uh, kephale is that, well, well, it's the head. What, what's in your head? What's in my head? What's in your head? Anybody? Biology? What's in your head? Your brain. It's the home of your brain. You got this really thick bone, circular, orbital thing that covers up the, mother, the motherboard, for lack of a better word. It's where everything finds its source. So if I, everybody, let's do it again. It's always fun. Put your hand up in the air. Wave. Okay, well, Brett, Brett, you weren't doing that. Bertie, come on, play along. I'm going to wait. Go ahead. Put your hand in the air. Wave. Wave. All right, now I'm going. All right. Uh, when you do that, what's making you do that? Is your hand making you do that? No. You got something firing off up here. Some synapses are clicking. And it's making your nervous system and your bone structure and your muscles all go, and they do this. This is the center of what's happening with everything else, right? So it says that the, 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 the church is the body of Christ and the head of the body is, is Christ, right? He's the brain. He's the, so so here's, what, here's another way we can understand man's role in design. Is that man exists, and you've got to be careful, ladies. I'm not saying that you don't have brains. But in God's design for man, he exists as the brain. He's, and here's what that means. It doesn't mean he's the smartest, because we all know that's not true, ladies, right? It means that he is the facilitator. He is the initial firer of the synapses of God's design becoming real. Here's another way to put it. You can put that up there now. Another way to put it is that the headship of man is the unique leadership of men that enables God's design for human good to exist, to happen within his marriage, within his home, within society, 
I, I, the first sermon last night, I, I stood up here, it took a little longer to go through, but I rattled off all these statistics of what happens in, in just the home when the man is removed from the home. Now, by God's grace, there's lots of single moms out here. Uh, there's some widows out here. Can God's grace enable and, 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 and compensate for the, the absence of a man? Absolutely. All right? And we see it happen all the time. But where the man is absent in the raising of a child, all kinds of things go wrong. Did you know uh, that it's five times more likely for you to be a prisoner if your father wasn't absent? In fact, one in five, one in five men who are in prison had a father who was a prisoner uh, before, you know, when, when they were growing up. Uh, it is seven times more likely for a girl to be sexually active when the man's not in the house. Seven times. It's twice as likely for her to become pregnant. These are just some of the ones I'm remembering off the top of my head. When the man leaves, his headship is gone, his facilitating is gone, things start to go outside of God's design. Are you with me? I mean, you don't need to be Christian to believe that. That's just society. That's just culture. And so what I think headship is all about is it's about us as men uh, taking on the mantle that God has given us to facilitate his design coming about in the world that we live in, in our, fa- in our marriages and in our families and in the places we work and in our relationships. We are the cultivators, the coordinators, the directors of God's plan coming to fruition. Well, ladies, you have a part in that. We're going to talk about your part in a couple weeks. But as image bearers of God, both of us have unique design, unique roles in directing things. Men are, men are ultimately problem solvers. Women are too. Uh, but men, you know, how, how many times have you had a talk with your, your wives, fellows, if you're married, uh, and she comes in and she just wants to kind of, you know, talk around the things and emote and share and all those things. And you hear that, you know, it's this person and this person and there's this problem. And your brain just goes, well, A plus B equals C. And here's what you do. And thanks a lot. Let me get back at the game. Right? Does anybody do that? I always tell you not to do that. Right, fellas? Because that's not what your wife needs in those situations. She doesn't need a problem solved. But ladies, do you know why your husbands usually act that way? It's not because they're, they just don't want to be bothered with you. It's not because they want to get back to whatever they're getting back to. Hurry up, hurry up. Okay, A plus B, we'll see. Bye. No, they're doing that because God has wired the male, usually, not universally, but usually to just be, okay, what's the problem? Let's fix it. That's why guys are usually more aggressive drivers. My wife could sit in traffic all day. I got to get going, right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get creative here. I drive a truck now. I got all kinds of real estate that's my road now, right? Like if you're stopped in front of me, and that, there's a yard. Hey, brother, thanks for your yard. Appreciate it. Right? Because I got to get going. Who, anybody with me on that? It's probably illegal. But that's, that's who I, that's, how, that's just, I mean, and I'm not, I was driving with the other yesterday, and we weren't in a hurry. Fellas, anybody this way? You're not even in a hurry. You got nowhere to be. And I was pulling up to a light, and someone was slow in front of me, and it turned yellow, and it turned red, and I couldn't get around him. And I was like, ow! And Eleanor was like, what's your problem? my problem was, is I had a plan. And this dude slowed me down. <laughs> I'm just letting no, I'm not saying that you, you can't take God's design. And we've done a ton of that. I've done a ton of that as men. We can uh, manipulate and mar uh, God's ultimate design in us. We, we can make all of our uh, d- directing and coordinating about our good and not God's, right? We can make it a selfish thing. And so we, you know, come on, who's not had that fight in your house? You know, where, where you know, the wife or the mother has said, we, we had all this plan for us today, but the guy's like, well, that wasn't my plan. 
and I'm going to execute my plan, and so you're going to have to work around me, and, and this is where men become domineering and jerks, and that's not how we're meant to roll, fellas. We're meant to facilitate God's design and purposes uh, functioning in the world that we live in. It's our headship. So, let's answer this question with the time we have left. How does God wire men, then, to function in their headship? Let's go to the, uh, the book uh, here in the last little bit. We'll talk from Genesis chapter 2. Uh, Genesis uh, chapters 1 and 2 both give an account of creation. Genesis chapter 1, if you're more an engineering type, which side of the brain is that? Right brain? doesn't matter. Uh, or you're more detailed, Genesis chapter 1, you'll like that more. If you're more kind of like, give me the 35,000-foot view, Genesis chapter 2 does that for you. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 2. When no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. So pre-man, and a mist was going up from uh, the land and was watering the whole face of the ground, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man. He formed him from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So he created the whole world, but over there in what we believe to be modern-day Iraq, probably around that region, uh, the Garden of Eden was placed, and God put this first man, Adam, in that garden, and he gave him these, inst- these instructions. Uh, out of the, I'll get to those in a second. Out of the garden, the Lord or out of the ground the Lord God made uh, to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for the food, or for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil were there as well. Uh, These two trees uh, are are big players in in the origin of sin and also in the completion of creation. You'll see them at the end of the book of Revelation uh, in the new heaven and the new earth. But uh, uh, this is what we see uh, here in this account of, of creation. Now, I'm going to skip over a bunch of stuff about rivers. It's all important there, but the, the verses I want to get to do uh, get to this morning are here in 15, 16, and 17. So the Lord God took man who's been living in this garden. He puts him in the garden of Eden, and he does it for two specific purposes, and we're going to learn from these, to work it and to keep it. And then he says in verse 16, he says, The Lord commanded uh, the man, he said this one thing, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. Verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So, pre-woman, in the garden, God gives these instructions. And listen, this isn't everything that it is to be a godly man. But these are the three foundational pieces of godly manness. These, These three parts of our headship that God wants us to live out. Let's talk about each one. The first one is this. When it comes to our headship, we understand that men are wired to work. We're wired to work. We have made to be, we were made to be productive. Now, if you read Genesis chapter 3, here's what it says. It says that sin comes into the world, and as one of the punishments, it says to the man, now, man, you are going to have to toil. You're going to have to work hard. And some people think, well, there, that's where work started. Work started as a result of sin, so work is always a bad thing. It's our penalty. No. Look, fellas, even before sin was in the world, work was the command of God. You were made to work. Be productive. A lot of us, when we think work, we always think paychecks, we think jobs. That can be part of it and is part of it. But even beyond that, 
We are meant to be productive when we leave our jobs, to be productive in our marriages, to be productive in our homes and raising our kids, to be productive, to produce. Now, work outside of the Western culture, it's not even a discussion. This, is, this would be like, oh, yeah, okay, pastor, we got that going. Because men outside of, a, of, a, of an affluent culture have to work. Like, if you go to Africa today, most of the people, especially out in the bush in Africa, they get work. If we don't work, we don't eat. And we die. We're subsistence farmers. We've got these chickens. We've got this little patch of ground that we farm. And if the, if, the, if the food doesn't come in and we don't take care of these chickens, we die. So work in those cultures, no problem. But work in our culture, well, let's just say we're, we're kind of moving into an age where it's taking longer and longer for boys to become men. We've got a lot of boys, maybe even in this room, who shave. You know what I'm talking about? They've, they've matured in age maybe matured you know, because of their pituitary gland, but they haven't caught on to the fact that we're meant to be productive members of society. Listen, God did not create men to master video games. Enjoy them every once in a while, but yeah, here it comes. <clears throat> but if you live your life to get on a couch and go online and talk to other boys who shave while you kill fake people for eight hours a day, you haven't, understand, you haven't understood God's design for your life. You are stunted in your development and growth. And God wants you to move towards maturity. He, he, listen, your goal as a, as a parent is to raise up your child so that they can go. They gotta get out of there. They, be, they gotta become men and women themselves. And if all you're doing is enabling your kids to sit in front of a screen and you know, kill bad guys, never requiring them to work for themselves. I told my kids early on, uh, you're going to have some skin in this game. If you go to college, you're going to have some skin in the game. If you're going to drive a car, you're going to have some skin in the game. It's going to be up to you to work so that you can have the things in life that you want to have. And I do that, especially for my boys, because I want to raise men. I don't want to coddle boys. You, you know the difference between a boy and a man? A, a man knows that he's got to work, and he, he just sucks it up and does it. A boy doesn't get that. Has anybody ever asked a boy to do something? I remember when I first started asking my boys to do things, it's like I hit them like over the back of the head with a two-by-four. Their shoulders went forward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take out the garbage. It's so heavy. Uh, uh. Has anybody seen this production of a little boy? Seriously? I don't know about you, but I mean, that just, that just goads me on. I'm going to, oh, good, garbage, that's, that's a pain? Let's do some more. <laughs> I'll keep going. I can do this all day. <laughs> but here's what they figure out. This, <laughs> it's not going to make the work go away. Still got to produce. And so now, I mean, by the grace of God, they aren't perfect. I'm not either. But now my guys know, they just suck it up and do it. Uh, and, and, and praise God, they're on the way to being, I pray, autonomous people. Well, even if, <laughs> even if they aren't. They're, I have a friend, I have a friend his, his, his father told him, when you turn 18, I'm breaking your plate. That's what he told his son. Turn 18, we're done. You're out. I'm not feeding you anymore. Can't stay here. Really? No. It's not your house. It's my house. You get 18 years, and then you're gone. Now, that's a little harsh. But I still, like the, I still like the heart from where it comes, right? Grow up, dude. This isn't this perpetual boyhood. 
I'm taking too long on this. <laughs> you got to work. <laughs> Fellas, tell me, when you've done something productive and produced something, isn't there something innate inside there that just says, hmm? Like when people come over to your house, what do you show them? Look what I did. Look, look at this project. Look at this. Well, it took me 12 hours to do this. And they're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, you're right, because I am a man, right? <laughs> we love hearing that stuff. You know why? That's how God made us. God, I mean, you take work away from a man, he stops being, on some levels, a man. Cultures suffer when men get lazy. And so men need to work. Some of you are saying, okay, well, let's go to the job thing. My wife works, she makes more money than me. Good for you. God blessed you. Way to go. Do I have a problem with that? No. I think that's, that's fine. I mean, we can talk about traditional men roles and all that stuff. Uh, but, but in the age that we live in, ladies, you work. Some of you just do a fantastic job, and you'll out-earn your men. And, and some guys say, well, because my wife's not working, or my wife's you know, winning all the money, well, I can just I can play video games. I'll master water skiing. I'll uh, you know I'll, I'll I'll stop working. And I say to those guys, you 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 cease being what God has designed you to be if you just have a sugar mama and never do anything. Are you with me, ladies? I'll get to you in a couple weeks. All right. But that that's that's not how. So even if you're not like I'm between jobs. Work. Find something. I'm not even talking about getting something that pays. I'm just saying be productive. Take care of your family. Pick up more of the responsibilities in other areas. Work. What if I can't work physically? All right. God's grace in those situations. Just like God's grace in single parent homes makes up for the lack of the other parent or whatever. God's grace. God's grace can afford those things. But still, even in those situations, figure out ways that you can produce. Bucket challenge. Anybody seen the bucket challenge? Who's done the bucket challenge? It's for ALS. It's for Lou Gehrig's disease. You know who started the bucket challenge? A dude who's suffering from Lou Gehrig's disease. His name is Pete Freights. He lives in the Boston area. Uh, he was just sitting there in his wheelchair one day. And he's like, man, this is a, this, I hate this disease. It's going to ultimately take my life. We've got to figure out a way to cure this disease. What can I do? He had some of his friends fill up a two-gallon bu- a bucket of water with some ice. He got on YouTube. He dumped it over him. And he, he said, okay, now uh, you know, I'm going to challenge these guys to do it. And we're going to have people contribute money to ALS every time that we do this. And it just went viral. Do you remember this? I mean, the president's doing it, and all these people doing it, coaches, celebrities, everybody's doing it. How did it start? A dude in a wheelchair had an idea and produced. Now, I don't know if Pete Freitz is a Christian, but he was living out God's design for him. Why? Because he cultivated and produced. Men are wired to work. Men are wired to keep things running as God intended. Right, skip the verse and go to the next one for me. It says, and men are wired to keep things running as God intended. Let me show you that verse again in chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden of Eden to what? That was the last point. Work. To work it and then to what? Keep it. Now, the writer of Genesis here and God himself gave two separate instructions. Working and keeping slightly different things. Work, that's effort. That's producing. That's cultivating. Keeping it, that's protecting God's design for man is to protect God's design. We're the defenders of God's path, of God's way, in our homes, in our marriages, in our relationships with people. If you're a boyfriend out there, listen, you are the protector of that girl who is not yet your wife. And God's desire for you is to understand his standards for that relationship. Stay out of each other's pants in bed. Leave each other alone. Honor God 
And fellas, don't let her be the determiner of that. You're the protector of that relationship. Men, you're the protector of home. When, listen, when something goes bump in the night at my house, here's what I do. I kick out on her and I say, get out there. <laughs> right? You know where the Louisville slugger is. It's in the corner. Get out there, and if there's someone out there, smack them. Is that what I say to my wife? Would someone yank my, my man card on that one? Would, it, would anybody take that from me? You know why? Because God built men with testosterone. We got more power than most of you women. There might be a lady out there who can help bench me. But the strongest man is always going to be stronger than the strongest woman. That's not being chauvinistic. That's just saying facts. Are you with me? And the men were created by God to protect, to take care of God's design, to take care of those that are given to them by God for their care. I'll take a bullet for my family. You should too, men. We're protectors of God's plan and design in our lives. That means that we're the goalies of life. We try to keep everything out that isn't God and his design, and we try to let everything in that is. When it comes to marriage, I cherish my wife. I don't, I don't uh, uh, you know, beat her down and require of her. My, my goal as the facilitator, the head of my wife, is to cherish her so that she flourishes and becomes everything that God wants her to become. That's my mission with Eleanor. That's not me just free reign. Like Eleanor will ask me for things every once in a while, and sometimes I'll say, hey, yeah, that'll be nice in like 10 years. Anybody ever had that conversation? I'll start saving now. But we're, you know, so it's not like going to debt for your wife. or, you know, it's, I'm, But I'm saying within God's confines, confines, I'm here to cherish my wife so that she becomes everything God wants her to be. I'm here to do that for my kids. Like I said, I don't want to raise boys that shave. I want to raise men. I want to raise a little girl who has that expectation of the man who I pray will ultimately be a part of her life. I've been praying for that bugger for, since she was an infant. So if you're out there, listen, I've been praying for you, and you better live up to God's expectation for your life, because if you don't, you're going to have to deal with me and him. Are you with me? But, but I want to esteem those things in my kids. And that's my mission in life, to be the keeper of my kids. Uh, Kai, Kai was prom queen. Uh, it's her prom last night. She's getting ready with a bunch of friends over at the house. And this was the only thing she wanted all day. I mean, she knew her mom would be there taking pictures. I work on Sunday or Saturday nights. So I don't know if you know that. So I'm up here getting ready to speak last night. And I had to break away. I had to come in early so I could be done and ready to drive to wherever she was over there near Durant so that I could go and get my picture with my daughter. And I came in there. And everybody else was there to get pictures, all of her friends and stuff. Part the Red Sea. Here comes Dad. And, and Dad, come here. Stand right here. Did, did Eleanor get a picture with Kyle alone on prom? No. Just Dad. Right? Is that because I'm awesome? No. It's because God has designed the family to work in such a way that the little girls esteem uh, their fathers in such a way that their fathers hopefully are giving them a template, an example of, of in the, as the image bears of God, who the God the Father is, and they, they desire him and cherish. Are you with me? And so for me to miss that one would be a, a miscarriage of my design. I got to be there. All right, I'm, I'm running out of time. Let's go to this next one. Men are wired to submit to God in everything. Men are wired to submit to God in everything. First and foremost, those other things, work, keep, important. But the most important thing, fellas, is that you have a personal connection with God and that you submit to him in everything. What it says, here in the scriptures, it tells us this. God said to the man, 
All right, listen, you, you, you surely eat of every tree in the garden. Have, go at it. Tear up Eden. You know, salads everywhere. Have fun. <clears throat> but here's what the deal is. Uh, verse 17, he goes on and he says, but that tree of knowledge and good and evil, can't eat of that one. Can't eat that one. When you do, it's over, man. Life ends as you know it. So turn to chapter 3. Here comes this snake. Here's the Eve. She's hanging out. Did, the, did God say you really can't eat of uh, any tree? No, just this one. Well, you know why God doesn't want you to do that. You'll be just like him. Really? And so when she saw that it was good to eat, right, and that it was going to bring all these things that she thought it was going to bring, she takes it, she eats it. And then what does she do? Does it say in the Bible that she goes running after her husband because Adam was off in another part of the garden, you know, uh, you know, weeding the broccoli? I don't know. But, but there he was. He was over there, and she had to run to him with the apple. Is that what it says? No, it says that she turned and handed the apple to her husband, and he ate of it also. So here's what that means, people. This man that God made the keeper of his design stood there and watched sin enter the world. As soon as he saw that snake, he should have been grabbing a club and knocking the hoo-ha out of that thing. But because he was passive, because he refused to step in and fulfill his God design, sin entered the world. What does he do when God comes calling after, you know, sin has happened? Hey, Adam and Eve, where have you been? Oh, well, we, we, we saw that we were naked, so we hid. Well, how'd you know you were naked? Oh, well, we ate of that tree of, hey, and actually that, but, uh, and God saw the whole thing. And that, God's so funny. He just, hey, I wonder what happened here. He's omniscient. He knows what happened here. And so, uh, so finally he gets Adam and says, well, Adam, what happened? And this is what Adam says. That woman that you gave me. Oh, fellas. You see what he did there? He blamed the woman. And if that wasn't going to stick, who did he blame? That you gave me. Do you see how unmanly that is? Yeah. Real men submit themselves to God. They honor him with everything they got. They know that my life is in him. And when it comes to like our family, just for example, since we've been talking a lot about that, when it comes to my wife and my kids, my chief mission is to be uh, the enabler of God's design in, in, in the lives of the people that I know. And so this is a man, and what a man's supposed to do is he's supposed to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all right? He's supposed to fill himself up with all the things of God so that he can come to his marriage relationship and pour into his wife everything that God has been pouring into him. And then he comes back to God in his own relationship with him, and he learns more. And then he comes to his kids, and as a father, he doesn't drive his kids to anger. He, he, he nourishes them. He trains them up so that they can go. But when they go, they become men and women themselves who complete or, or live out this process. Now, this whole thing doesn't happen if men don't go to. And so, man, understand that your chief mission as a man, what, it, what makes you truly masculine, truly male, it's not, you know, how much money you have, how much you can bench, who you can beat up. What makes you a true man, real men, are fully submitted to God. And they take God to the rest of the world that they live in, their marriages, their families, their workplaces, their relationships, and they seek to see his design lived out. Now, last thing. 
Last thing is this, man, you can't pick and choose which parts of the design you'll do. This is something we'll talk about more next week, but here's, here's the number one thing that I hear from men who can't understand why the world around them is just disintegrating because here's what they'll say. Well, I don't understand what's wrong with her. I work hard. I work 70, 80, 90 hours a week. I've given her everything that she could ever want. And our marriage is still falling apart. I don't know what's wrong with those kids. When I was a kid, I didn't have anything. I've given them everything. Right? And here's what men say. As long as I'm working, the other two shouldn't matter. Anybody ever met a person, a kid, who grew up in a house, had everything, and had nothing? Yeah. It's because, in a lot of those cases, the man put all his eggs in that one basket and thought, there, that'll be enough. How about the men who are super spiritual, pray all the time, uh, family devotions with their kids, but refuse to get a job, refuse to work, sit in the house and just domineer over everybody, work that woman to the bones, yell at the kids. You think that man is going to be known for what they did over what they said? No, those actions are going to speak louder than his words, right? So listen, fellas, I appreciate your efforts in one of those three things, but it's got to be efforts in all three of those three things. You've got to be someone who works, someone who keeps, and someone, first and foremost, who submits himself to God. It's when you bring those things that your design is fulfilled and life flourishes as a result. So now, women, may you be encouragers and expectors of the things that God designed man to be. Men, we're going to pray right now. Everybody stand up, men, just the men. Men, stand up. Men, this is my prayer for you. You're my brothers, many of you, my brothers in Christ. You've been designed. All of us are different. A lot of you guys are smarter than me. A lot of you guys are more athletic than me. There's tons of you who have more money than me. It doesn't matter where we are on those planes. What matters is that all of us, no matter who we are, where we've come from, where we're going, we've all been designed with a purpose. Every one of us have been given this mantle as image bearer of God to do God's will, to see his will come to here, here on this earth. We are the facilitators of his will coming to fruition in the worlds that we live in. And I'm going to pray for you on that front right now. Here's the deal. I pray for you guys all the time. I want you to pray with me as I pray for you. Pray these things for yourself. Ask God to lead you to become the man that God has designed you to be. When he does that, this church is going to flourish. When he does that, your home is going to flourish. When he does that, your life is going to flourish. Bow your heads, let's pray. Hey, God, I stand here with these men. They're my brothers. Some of them don't know you yet. They're my, my not-yet brothers. They're going to find you. Uh, but many of us stand here having put our faith in you, and we understand, God, that you have a plan, a desire for our lives. Irrespective of our individual skills and gifts and, and places in life, you've made us all men, and your desire is that we would be uh, livers of, of, of your headship, that we would we would be facilitators of your will here on the earth. So here's my prayer that I'm praying my brothers are praying with me. God, make us as men submitted to you. Help us to follow you in life and to bring the things that we get from you to the people in our life so that your will can be done. As men, Father, make us keepers of your plan. Help us to defend those that you give us, uh, protect them, to provide for them spiritually. Help us to, to stand in the gap uh, where things start to slip away from your design. 
And then God, help us to be industrious, to be um, uh, workers, to fulfill your will in that regard for who we are. Uh, Help us to produce, God, your fruit in our lives. With your help, I pray. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys as you go, ladies too. Uh, Give us uh, uh, another week. We'll talk more about this. If you're new, come and say hi, and I'll talk to you there. Blessings.